Hi, Jeffrey. Hello, Allison. It's been a while. Oh, it sure has. I feel like we should address um, what's happened in the months since we've seen you, since some of our viewers may not know what has happened. So uh, I guess I'll recap. Uh, you don't have to. I, I pulled my pecker out in the middle of a New Yorker meeting because nothing is more sexual than uh, the managerial staff of the New Yorker. They love umlauts. And, uh, and so, yeah, I just went at it. I think any one of us uh, can relate to the sexual nature of a Zoom call. And I'm uh, hoping beyond hope that we can all just move forward and, and put this in the past. And as a CNN employee, you have my solemn pledge uh, that at no point during a Zoom conference, uh, no matter how sultry or sensual or stimulating I find it, will I stand up, drop my trousers and pleasure myself. It's not going to happen. So I'm just going to stand up here. We're going to have a little retirement ceremony for my buddy. So um, if you would be so kind as to just just put him away. I'll do the honors. Okay, just be careful and, and don't catch it in the zipper. Bye-bye. You are listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com. Vaccine surplus warehouse. Oh, hi. I was wondering if I um, could potentially get some different vaccines for some various ailments. I'm not sure what you guys offer. Well, we've got vaccines, obviously, as the name would imply, and it's the surplus. It's the stuff that's left over. It's the the stuff that nobody else really wanted for various reasons. There are a lot of reasons why somebody wouldn't want the vaccines. And, uh, and we have them here. We have them at much deeper discounts than you're going to get anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, uh, the, the the popular ones that everyone's talking about that everyone's getting now are, are free. So I'm not sure how the discount could be deeper. That would be for the COVID vaccines. Yeah, that's pretty much all we have. And you're saying, but you're saying it's free? Yeah, no, every commercial that um, the government pays for to put on TV and radio brings up the fact that they're all free. Oh my God, I canceled nope. all my cable weeks ago. And I, I was unaware. So, they, they, so you're telling me that... Uh, so they're, they're giving it away for free? Oh, yeah, for sure. Why did you cancel your cable? I just, you know, I wanted to cut the cord. I was tired of paying for the NFL. And I just figured, like, I was just going to start fresh. So I have not paid attention to any recent news or, or commercials. So I just, I've been honestly just busy loading up on all the vaccines people didn't want. I have uh, 800,000 doses of uh, Moderna. It's a two-shot vaccine. It was left uh, overnight in a warehouse uh, that reached temperatures of over 93 degrees. It's considered compromised, but you know, I'm looking at it. It's clear. Uh, it says vaccine on, it's clearly a vaccine produced by Moderna and I can get you, you know, I can get you three or four of those for 23.99. Sure. Or, or, or I could just go to, um, just about anywhere and get uh, one that hasn't um, been exposed and I could get that for free. Yeah, no, that's a huge problem with my business model. And I, I did not, I did not realize these things. Who who gives away stuff for free? What are they doing? Well, the the government. But I went to business They're, school, and the first thing you learn is you can't give stuff away for free. You'll go under. You can't afford that. No, well, that's for sure. That's well. Then you just um, what you do is you print money. Oh, quantitative easing. <laughs> yeah, I guess Man, you. I don't you have the ability to do that. Boy, you're really a syringes half empty type of guy, aren't you? 
Well, you know, when I tried to print my own money last time from the Republic of Sealand, uh, I got mm -hmm. in huge trouble. You did? What, what, what sort of trouble did you get in? Well, uh, they showed up at my oil platform, uh, which I had declared was mine and was an island. And uh, they said that I had been caught on the mainland trying to use Sealand money to uh, purchase goods and services. And they said that was unacceptable and that I was not, in fact, a country. And would I come uh, to the United States and talk to them? Man, I, okay. I just wanted to call and see if I could get some HPV vaccines, but um, I might this have is taken some, a turn. But I'll be honest, uh, if I do, it's they're buried. I mean, it's kind of like the last scene of Indiana Jones, except it's all vaccines. And if I do have HPV or, you know, meningitis or whatever, those things are tucked away in the corner because I just keep getting stuff that nobody else wants because it's either uh, it wasn't used properly, wasn't refrigerated properly, or, or they're from certain states that just don't want vaccines. So, yeah. So what are some of your, your, your big suppliers? Well, I've got uh, Moderna, of course, and Pfizer, of course, and Johnson and Johnson, of course, and Great Way. And then hmm. um, Price Chopper uh, grocery stores has their own vaccine. Mm -hmm. It's called the COVID Chopper. And you mm -hmm. get three rewards points uh, if you use their vaccine. Mm -hmm. And you can actually redeem uh, your vaccine. If you get a vaccine, you get like a 10% off coupon at your next Price Chopper visit. That's pretty good. Yeah, it is pretty good. And uh, so, I, man. Do you have any Kirkland? I don't have any Kirkland, oddly enough. That's right. It's, you know, they sold out because they went with berry flavor and that mm -hmm. was super popular. People just went for that. What? what how, how would the flavor affect what goes into your veins? Well, because what they do is there's a little extra uh, vaccine and what they, right before they plunk it into your arm, they kind of do that little tap tap with a syringe right in front of your nose. Yeah. And it's a nice little berry scent and it kind of takes your mind off of the five inch needle going into your arm. That's Really strange. And you thought this was a good business model. I honestly thought it was a good business model. I graduated from business school. I saw, set up my own business. I said, okay, what do people want? Well, clearly right now people want vaccines. That's more obvious than anything. But then you show up and you're telling me the government's been doing it for free. Yeah. And nowhere in my business plan, and I have a really nice business plan. I even proofread it. And nowhere in that wow. does it account for things being given away for free. Quite I honestly, not. I had estimated they were doing it for $49.95. So you thought you'd come in in the 20s and everyone would be like, that's a lot of money. To Half price. I was under, I was, I, you know, I was about 40%. I expected people lined out the door. I was going to be jabbing people left and right. I was going to hire a bunch of people at $15 an hour to, to, to jab, just left, just jab, jabbed. I was going to set up an assembly line. Mm -hmm. I, I had it really down to a science and here we are and you're telling me they're doing it for free. So now I got to think of some kind of way to convince people. Would you be interested in like a price chopper coupon and a vaccine that was left out in the sun? Was the coupon or the vaccine left out in the sun? The vaccine. The coupon is actually yeah. quite fine. Okay, great. Well, I mean, I would, I love a coupon because I do love saving money. Um, and by saving money, I will go with the government's free vaccine and not yours. Yeah. Now I'm just really, I don't know how you compete with the government when the government's giving it away for free. I suppose I could do the old uh, Shanghai switcheroo. Oh, I'm, I'm not familiar with that. I didn't go to business school. What's the Shanghai switcheroo? I'm just going to relabel it and call it diet aid. So hi, Brian. How are you today? Jack, I am great. I'm fantastic. 
that's I'm so glad to hear that. What a relief. Thank you, Jack. And thank you for caring. I do care. All right, then. All right. Good segment. Thanks. Next. So, Brian, now that we've caught up on you, um, I just wanted to share. Uh, I've had a difficult week. Oh, you've had a difficult week. Mm-hmm. OK, then. Yeah, I uh, my my mom. So sorry uh, for your loss, Jack. Well, I haven't I haven't told you what I've lost yet. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, my mom sold my childhood home that we've had for forty-one years. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, that's not a bit. That's not. That's not a joke at all. Wow, she makes rolled, me sad. Made made some cash money selling those memories. <laughs> she did make some cash money. Um, yeah, forty-one years, and so I, I've been up uh, helping her pack, and then I had to say goodbye to my uh, my home, and I drove away from it. Oh, bye bye home. Bye bye home. It, it is always weird. my little. So if you so did you have fond memories of your home? I love that place. It still oh. is to me. That's still I've lived in this house for uh, six years, but to me, mom, that house is still home. My wow. mom's house is home. See, that's see, mine was a different experience, Jack. I hated my childhood home, and I hated the town I grew up in. It, I love. I true? love. I love seeing it in the rearview mirror. <laughs> love driving driving by it and be like, I'm not even going to stop there. Really? Yeah. Why did you hate it? Now, because this is real. I feel this is one of the rare times when we're real. The house had a dark vibe, being honest. Really? Yeah. And I only found out like in my, like, I think early 20s, my father told me that the previous owner had shot himself to death in the master bathroom. Shot himself to death? In the bathtub. Yeah. (laughs) In the bathtub? Yeah. Wow. And, so uh, he's, uh, was, it sounds like he's a little bit of an OCD clean freak. This guy did not want to make a mess and good for him. Cause that pink tile from the, from the sixties that they, they <laughs> built. I mean, who wants to soil that with blood? But no uh, yeah, so it was, the house had a dark vibe. It was weird. And, um, I don't miss it. Wow. And so that's interesting. And do you, do you think this in any way contributed to your, um, you, you you lost your mom when you were 14. Yeah. Do you think that the house's um, uh, juju may have contributed? I don't know about that. I, I don't know. I, I just, just in general, the house, I mean, the, everything was wrong with the house. There was, so my, they had this horrible, horrible picture of a clown. Okay. Okay. And it was like a painting of a clown and it kind of hung like over a staircase, this dark staircase that was open and went down to the bait, like a basement level. Okay. All right. And, and so that was always pitch black at night down there. And there's this clown picture hanging over the entrance to that, the staircase. And, and the clown's eyes just followed you wherever you went. And I swear to God, and all, my, my brother, I have two brothers and we, all three of us were terrified of that clown. We hated walking this little, we had to basically walk this little path past the clown's painting, feeling his eyes on us the whole time oh before we God. could get to our bedrooms. I hate that clown. And, and my brothers can agree, uh, will all, uh, all back me up on this. The, the thing was terrifying. And I don't know why they thought that was a good painting or I don't know. It was just one of these things like, let's just hang that there. And it was terror. It did more damage to us. It was terrifying. No wonder you're the way you are. Yeah. Hated it. I've wondered for years why you're so broken. Yeah. And the, the house had no AC uh, and just a heater that was basically either full blast or nothing. So in, in the summertime, I was super hot and sweaty. So you have nightmares. And in the wintertime, I was lying right next to the heater. So I was super hot and sweaty and had nightmares. Jack, 12 months of nightmares a year. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, and and what, what were some of the other um, things that were really spooky about your house? 
Well, it was, first of all, it was 310 Murder Street. I mean, you'd think you'd come up with a better name than that. Yeah, totally. Well, especially considering, you know, that this guy was so keen on suicide. Yeah. And then uh, they, they plant, whoever owned the house beforehand planted the, these trees. They're called vulture trees, Jack. What? Yeah, they're because they're they they're hooked over like a vulture and they attract vultures because the trees smell like dead meat. <laughs> so really, as soon as the sun starts to set, the rats come out, the coyotes come out, the vultures come out. It's just a nasty, scary scene. Yeah, how, how many pets did you go through um in your time in your 18 years in that house? Oh, well, I mean, uh, my my very first pets were two cats, Mr. and Fluffy. And Mr. and Fluffy died when I was about I don't know 22 minutes after I got home from the hospital. And let's see. And then, uh, I mean, there was a, a, you know, it got to the point, Jack, you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. It got to the point. I'm sure. uh, I got to the point. I just stopped keeping track. You know, it it was kind of like they did in world war one. You know, these guys were coming and getting killed so quickly. You just didn't even get to know their names. Right. You you didn't want to, because it hurt too much. You know, and I made the mistake when they brought back Jojo and Jojo was a Maine coon. And, there, uh, and I, I liked Jojo, but, you know, 14 minutes later, he was being mauled alive under one of the vulture trees. That's, that's tough. And, and you, the, the you, screams, Jack, to this day, traumatized me. I still hear those screams because I had a micro cassette recorder. I recorded them and, and then I've, I've played it and I, I hired a service that calls me random times throughout the day and plays that micro cassette, Jack. That's, that's. I, that's not, I'm, that's not a trauma. That's definitely, that's more on, that's on you. I just want to work through it, Jack. I, I guess so. I, I, I always wondered though, why, you know, when we used to work together, there'd be the sound of like a cat being torn to shreds and you would react in this like really sort of strong way. I was like, what's Brian's problem? Like we have a writer's meeting and I'd stand up screaming, Jojo, and I'd run out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, you know, now I've, I've shared that story with you. I, sh- I should have asked then. I feel, I feel foolish. Yeah, I know. All you guys did was laugh at me and talk about me behind my back. That was really bad. And you said there was a, a giant mound uh, in your backyard where you just would, would pile up the, the pet carcasses. It was, yeah, well, I mean, it, it was an Indian burial ground and then I put the pet carcasses on top of it. That's, that's bad. That's another bad choice on your part. Yeah. Well, you can imagine what the Wampanoag Indian tribe thought about that. So they, they would come to the house and you know, they accuse me of desecrating their grave. And so it was an active tribe, but they were still coming to pay their respects. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it had been Wampanoag Indian land until uh, 1961. Mm-hmm. Right. Until, until um, the murder family bought the, bought the area and then named the street. After murder them, family so. bought the area uh, and buried most of the Wampanoag Indian tribe in that mound. And that's so why, they, they, that's why the street is called murder street, Jack. Right. Of course. This ma- it's all making sense now. And re- I mean, it's funny how sometimes when you work through things, how things can sort of come together, how the pieces fit. All these memories are coming back to me now. That's really interesting. And then um, you said there would sometimes just be some, you know, interesting, like, uh, uh, like family uh, fights and disagreements that you sort of felt were influenced by the juju. Like wh- what sort of things would happen? You know, my, one time my mom made pork chops mm-hmm. and I think nice. I was nine years, 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one of my brothers stood up and announced he, he was in the nation of Islam and how dare she make pork chops. And then said, you know, woman out of this room now, like just really weird behavior <laughs> for a six year old. 
And he immediately turned on her just because of her gender. He was like, woman, yeah. get out of this room. Yeah. I mean, he was well Men dressed. Here, cover up, you he, whore. He had a, a nice suit on with a bow tie and he actually looked quite sharp, but he was crazy. Crazy. But um, eventually he changed and he, he he started eating pork again. But, you know, my mother was afraid to cook pork chops. She didn't know if suddenly he would have been in the nation of Islam. Yeah, of course. Oh, my gosh. Well, what what a what an upbringing, and 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 you know how did, how did your parents get along? You know, again before your mom, you know, passed away, unfortunately. Well, um, I don't, you know, they got along fine because my dad was never home because he was scared of the house, <laughs> and I would, you know, he'd call in every once in a while from the office, and just to tell us that he loved us and, uh -huh. he, and he missed us, but the house freaked him out so much that he just couldn't come home. Man. That's, that's, that's right. It's a rough way to grow up. It was tough. It was tough. And I used to, and, during the daytime only, of course, sit underneath the vulture trees and cry. That's really an image that's, that's going to stick with me. What, um, you know, and what would happen like when, when friends would come over to play, play hide and seek, or maybe play some wiffle ball in the backyard, what, what would happen in those situations? Well, I had one friend. Oh. Uh, his name was Timmy. Mm hmm And we played hide and seek. Mm-hmm. Once. So where, where was he hiding? I don't know. I don't know. Did you, like, did you, at school, did you maybe ask him where he was hiding or ask his parents? Well, his parents asked us. Uh, his parents came to the house quite often. And I would point to the mound and just kind of shrug. I, you know, told him to check underneath the vulture trees. Uh, but I, that's, and that's one of the reasons why the house just gave me the, the, a weird vibe, Jack. Yeah. I, I feel, yeah, it's, it's kind of a classic tale, really. I, I sort of feel like everyone has, you know, like a, a creepy story like this. You know what? I, I agree. And that's why I was so comforted to watch the X-Files. <laughs> it, it brought you comfort. <laughs> It brought me comfort to know that there were other true stories out there. Right, right, right. Well, Brian, um, gosh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, for for a moment, this was about me, and and I, I'm glad that we were able to sort of work through your your stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad I was able to kind of turn that around. It's something I wanted to hear. Yeah, our listeners don't want to hear my my honest, real pain. Real pain is bad pain, Jack. <laughs> it sure is. I saw a story today that um, that I want to talk about in the in the news. You're the news. I I I hope to make news someday. Um, uh, you, you know, uh, talented podcast host, uh, uh, murder's partner, something like that. Boom. Well, the headlines. Good luck to, to you then, sir. <laughs> Thank you. So I saw this uh, this story in the news today that um, the Girl Scouts have about 15 million boxes of unsold cookies this year. No, why? Yeah, yes. Um, well, apparently they're saying that it's the, the coronavirus, not not a, a thinner well, demand for that's thin the worst. Does. That's the worst possible flavor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, 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 you know, it tastes a little bit like bat. Yeah, idiots. What were they yeah, thinking? So, so, so they're saying that the pandemic wore into the spring selling season wow. and that many troops uh, like didn't um, have their traditional cookie booths sure. uh, up for safety reasons and all that. So uh, I guess the Girl Scouts just made, you know, 15 million boxes of unsold cookies. Oh, my God. And I, thought, and I saw that um, the Girl Scouts normally sell about 200 million boxes of cookies. 
uh, for about $800 million. Wow. I'm getting in yep. the Girl Scout cookie business. Well, yeah, it's it, totally right. Um, you just you just need some Girl Scouts. I got them. <laughs> I bet you do. So I'm sorry, you know, I thought to myself, who is going to be able to solve this problem better than Brian Sack? Yeah, well, that's what the first thing I was thinking. That's funny you thought that. <laughs> it's funny that you thought that. So, you know, Brian, you know, you you've you've been in sales, you've been in advertising, you know, you're 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 a problem solver yes. in the business world. Uh-huh. Um, you know, what can the Girl Scouts do to help move this product? Hey, you know, who can they market to? How do you get if you got a warehouse full of 15 million boxes of cookies? What do you do to move that product? Well, there's a couple of different things right off the bat that I'm thinking of they could do. Okay. Uh, they could do a crypto cookie currency, girl coin, and they have 15 million boxes of it. So how many are in a box? 10? Oh God, no, more than that. Uh, they're usually, usually two sleeves. I would say, um, gosh, I would say, you know, a 20 to 25 cookies per box, I would say. Okay. So they have hundreds of millions of girl coins, <laughs> right? Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. And they're only going to get eaten over time. Mm-hmm. And so the value of an individual girl coin is going to go up as the supply dwindles. Mm-hmm. And if we're thinking ahead, you know, five, six, seven years from now, they might have gone from 200 million girl coins and there might be 10,000 left. Imagine the value of those. It's really an interesting theory. You know, I feel like um, girl coins, it could be a, it could be a risky, um, could be risky for the safety of, of girls. Well, because of the name girl coin. Yeah. And, and just, you know, with, with the, the, the sort of trading that might, might happen. Well, I mean, it, it's all under the table trading. Okay. Or on the bed trading. It's really, however, it's a free market, Jack. It's however you want to do it. Yeah, see, this, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about safety. Well, I mean, let's make sure that we don't have young girls selling the girl coin, Jack. Okay, so, okay, that's interesting. So, so we, we get rid of sort of the 12 and under age, yes. and we're, we're doing 18 and over? No, MILFs. <laughs> All right, so they, <laughs> they need to be kind of hottish moms, and they're going to move cookies. So, okay, how, how, how is this going to work? Well. You have, say, um, a woman set up shop, say at, um, you know, the uh, Hudson Valley Motel. <laughs> All right. And she puts on a door on her door, a sign says girl coin sold here. Mm-hmm. And she stands outside in a negligee, some maybe a bikini, I mean, whatever they choose. I mean, I, I'm not like one of these micromanagers. I will yeah, let my, no, I'm going to let my employees do what they want to do. Sure. Whatever she thinks is best for selling girl coin. <laughs> and so she's going to stand outside of the Hudson Valley Motel in whatever she wants to wear with a sign that says girl coin sold here. And people are going to stop by and they're going to say, what is girl coin? You're going to say, well, it's a, it's a cookie cryptocurrency from the Girl Scouts. And they'll say, well, how much is a girl coin? And you say, well, let's go in and discuss. And I don't care how they, what they work out, what the value of a girl coin is. You know, the value of a girl coin is whatever you're willing to pay for that girl coin. And at the end, he's going to walk out with a box of samosas and a grin on his face a mile wide. You know, I mean, that, that business model would work. I know it works. It's worked for a long time. It's tried and true. It really is. (laughs) It really, really is. Now, there are going to be some people 
uh, more of the prudish uh, portion of our society who are, aren't going to like sort of the prostitution angle of this. Hmm. So, you know, is there any other sort of market that we can go away from prostitution, away from cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. that we can sort of move some of these products? Because first of all, I think it's a great idea. But just in case, uh, you know, what are some other ways to, to move uh, 15 million boxes of unwanted cookies? Civil War reenactments, Jack. <laughs> really? What? Yes. You know, you have these Civil War reenactments mm-hmm. and you have these guys out in the field and they're in their full regalia, Confederate Union, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're walking around with their, their muskets and they're firing their muskets. And, you know, right now it's just fake, right? It's blanks. Yeah. But what if they were cookie shaped projectiles? <laughs> yeah, what, what if, I suppose. Okay. And you're firing at your friends. And if you hit them in the face, they get a cookie. And what's, I guess, what's the worst that can happen there? You got a little snack while you're out in the field in the hot sun, entertaining well, people who like that stuff. Well, the worst that could happen is you could uh, put, you know, put, um, you know, you could put a tag along through someone's eye. You sound like the lawyers. And the insurance Wait people. Wait a minute, have you already tried this? I tried this with the New England Civil War Reenactment Society. And I mm-hmm. went to their annual meeting. And I did not wear a mask because I'm vaccinated, Jack. Yeah, I and I leapt up from my chair in the middle of the meeting and I just said, what about Girl Scout cookie bullets? Mm-hmm. And I made my pitch. Yeah. They call it an elevator pitch. Do that. But it sounds like you were at a board meeting. I was at a board meeting. So I pretended that it was a huge building with a long, lot of floors. So I just, I talked for 43 minutes. So it's like a freight elevator in the Empire State Building. Absolutely. That was kind of broken. And Mr. Otis wasn't there to fix it. So it was going very slowly. God, it sounds like a difficult meeting. First of all, that meeting wouldn't be fun ever. But that sounds like a particularly difficult session. Yeah, it was rough. There were a lot, you know, by, by, as, as we're getting into the 15th, 16th minute, and there's a lot of groaning, like well, you know, accusations. I would call them ad hominem attacks, Jack. <laughs> of course you would. People saying mean things to me. Like what? What'd they say? You're a jerk. You're an idiot. You're dumb. You're stupid. What's wrong with you? You're crazy. Wow. You smell like farts. Who And who was saying this? The guy that was right next to me whose face I farted in. We're, we're two highly educated men <laughs> making fart and face jokes. Highbrow. Fart in the face jokes, Jack. Highbrow poo-poo jokes. That's right. Okay. Well, I mean, okay. All right. So, okay. I I can, I can tell, I see, I knew you were the person to talk to about this because you've, you clearly have already thought this stuff through. I've been thinking about it. I, I, as soon as I heard about all these cookies just sitting there going to waste, I thought what could be done? What could be done? Well, of course you have the space shuttle. (laughs) What? Well, as you know, if the space shuttle tries to reenter and it's missing uh, one of its uh, heat tiles, the whole thing dissolves over Texas, kills everybody. That's, that's right. I've, I've seen that before. And so I thought, what if you stuff a ton of cookies in <laughs> any holes that are on the space shuttle? Okay, cool. And then I thought, well, that's not a bad idea, Brian. And then I realized they stopped the space shuttle program. Yeah, damn. What can the Girl Scouts do to fill in their, their budget holes? Well, I can tell you right now, I got a friend in the landscaping business. Okay. All right. And he's had a tremendous problem getting people on his landscape crews. Mm-hmm. Seasonal During, workers. Seasonal workers. A huge problem with the border. 
There's also a huge problem with the COVID checks and paying people. So he, he's, he's got nobody really. He's having a really hard time getting people to do landscaping. Well, what is more adorable than a bunch of Girl Scouts in your yard, weeding, mulching, uh, cutting the lawn, pruning, deadheading, mm-hmm. all the gardening terms, Jack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if I could just stand out on my porch and watch, you know, some eight-year-old in her little Girl Scout outfit you know, just trying desperately to, to climb a, a, the red maple to saw off the dead branch. I mean, that to me would make my morning. I'd sip my coffee and I'd look out and I'd smile knowingly and, and be like, you might need a friend or a ladder or something. Don't hurt yourself with that saw. Man. Then I'd do the New York Times crossword puzzle, Jack, which is the only reason I subscribe to the New York Times. I. That's the only reason one would. Why uh, do you hate the Girl Scouts? Is, is that why it gives you such pleasure? I love the Girl Scouts, Jack. Uh, I always wanted to be one. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't let me in. Right. I tried up until, I don't know, six or seven years ago, I realized the dream was dead. And that it just didn't matter anymore. And I, and I just kind of, I got over it. Mm-hmm. But I do like to have them around. I like to see them working. I don't, you know, they don't have to do landscaping. They do painting, sanding. Uh, laying asphalt would be fine with me. Choking <laughs> on the fumes, the hot fumes on a 95 degree day, the machine Damn. tar just getting into their lungs and on their skin. God. <laughs> you really wanted in, didn't you? I, I really wanted to be a Girl Scout, Jack. And the more I think about it, the angrier I get. And, and this was up into your 40s. Yeah. And, and what, what sort of things would you do like as, as a 40 year old man trying to enter the Girl Scouts? Well, you know, I knew where they had their meetings because the meetings were advertised in the newspaper. Yep. So I would show up. Of course, after the fifth or sixth time they escorted me out, I knew Mm -hmm. I had to resort to disguises. (laughs) So what do you do? Well, you go to the Halloween store a couple days Mm -hmm. after Halloween, Jack. Everything's on sale, 80% off. They don't want it. I stocked up. I spent so much money on Halloween costumes. Yeah, like what? Well, I showed up one week as the sexy nurse. <laughs> you know, it took them a little bit and they recognized me and they kicked me out. And then the next week I came back as the sexy military person. Wow. Sexy military police person. Sexy MP. Okay. Sexy MP? I was the sexy MP when I showed up. A little camouflage miniskirt, mm-hmm. and a bandana, and a pretend M60 machine gun. <laughs> So you, a man in your 40s, silver haired, handsome, um, comes in in a, in a sexy little mini skirt, barely covering your, your tush mm-hmm. and uh, holding a fake M60. And somehow they were able to discern who you were. Apparently, you know, hmm. unbeknownst to me, there's been a, a worldwide all points bulletin issued to every single Girl Scout branch uh, throughout the country and the Brownies. <laughs> and the Boy Scouts just for good measure. Yeah. And the Naval Sea Cadet Corps. They, they covered everything. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. And it just says, if you see this guy in any kind of sexy outfit, <laughs> uh, just show him the door. Man. And that's why I gave up the dream, Jack. I don't care about being in the Girl Scouts anymore. It doesn't phase me. Well, except for the anger that you just admitted about two minutes ago. I admit, I, you know, I, I would love them to get splinters. God, just cutting down. I'd like them to cut down trees, Jack, but with not even a chainsaw. Give them a, a rotten banana, a tulip. 
He's just telling him to knock down a tree. <laughs> it is getting strange. <laughs> uh, is getting stranger. This is actually getting stranger. Well, um, I guess there you go. Uh, if the president uh, of the Girl Scouts is uh, listening, there are some uh, uh, remedies for you. Good luck to you. Thank you, Jack. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I was talking to that person, but you're welcome. And then some. <laughs> Jack, funny story. I love funny stories. The, you're in the right place and a podcast. Well, I'm going to tell you this funny, true story, Jack. So last week we recorded and you, we were doing some routine. It went down a long path. And then as, you asked. As they often do. Right. It was some kind of bit and we started going to something. And then I was at St. Martin's school. Yes. Uh, you had said, oh, I, didn't you uh, invent uh, critical race theory or whatever it was? Yeah, that's right. And yeah. The, okay. So that very day. After we're done recording that very, and you don't know this because you've been traveling and up at your mom's without Wi-Fi because she shut everything off. So yep. that very day, a whistleblower came out and announced that my school had gone like head over heels for this stuff. And okay. she was a teacher at the school, my son's teacher, and basically said the school is, has, you know, has lost their way with this critical race theory. And, uh, and I looked into it and I was like, oh man, she's right. Okay, so in in what way have they lost their way? So, I mean, first of all, your son's teacher is a whistleblower. That's super cool. My son's teacher is a whistleblower. Uh, basically, that you know, it's it's infected the curriculum of this school. That the head of the school, she claims, told uh, the staff that if he could, he would fire all of them and replace them with people of color. Wow. Um, and they, she even leaked some documents that this the person in charge of diversity, equity, inclusion had a workshop with the teachers. And, you know, had solicited from them some stuff. And, and what they said was very alarming. One of them was, we need more co-conspirators. Wow. So and, I'm in the midst can... of a fascinating thing. And now um, you were hired to be a um, uh, critical race theory adjunct at the school. Is that right? Yes, I was, Jack. I was hired to be a critical race theory adjunct. Well, that's exciting. What, yeah. um, so are you preparing your lesson plans? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've got all the words I need. Uh, I have whiteness and decolonize. And mm -hmm. systemic and supremacy. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, I had to add that Thanksgiving is a celebration of genocide. Mm -hmm. And I'm just doing everything I can to really uh, in, improve the, the academic reputation of the school. So what, what is it that you hope to teach your, um, your white students as, as you begin your, um, your classes? It's like a math question might be, if Evan uh, must issue 234 apologies mm -hmm. and it takes Evan... 12 minutes to issue one apology. How can Evan explain how he's benefited from white supremacy? <laughs> that's a really complex. I mean, I always said, I always had trouble with math word problems, but that seems that's a, I, that's not where I expected that to go. It's tricky. It's tricky. Well, I mean, I, I think they've hired the, the right guy for the job. It sounds like you're, um, you know, for a, for a despicable um, colonizer, it seems like, um, you know, you're the, you have just the right amount of guilt to do a great job. Thank you very much, Jack. You're welcome, Brian. Good, good luck to you. Thank you. This podcast was produced on Wampanoag Indian land. <laughs> Jack. Brian. I, I have a great idea. I love, we'll see about that. I don't know if you've heard about this, but CNN has this thing where they're getting people like you to read news stories for them because a lot of their anchors aren't really trustable. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I have not heard about this, but I certainly they're, they have that issue. So they're thinking if they have some schmuck, normal looking person read the news, then they're going to 
use that person and there's going to be some money in it and it's going to be for you. And of course, for me, for introducing you, I'm going to get my little cut. So here's the thing. They sent me some news stories for you to read. Mm -hmm. Okay. They need you to read them, get them out there uh, and, and just, uh, you know, tell it like it is. Uh, Okay. I'll, I'll definitely do that. But I mean, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with your sort of description. I mean, I'm sort of like the, like a male Brooke Baldwin. I'm sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm eye candy. Keep that in your imagination, Jack, and read okay. what you just, ow, just bit my tongue. Read what you just got. Okay. And so, um, so I, I just have to read this and I'm going to be able to get paid by CNN. Yeah. The only thing is you got to be professional. You got to be a professional newscaster, Jack. There's no laughing. There's no breaking oh. it. Okay. 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 Yes. Okay. Or we don't get paid. All right. Well, I, then I'll, I'll, I'll be very professional. Take it away, Jack. CNN. Okay. okay so Newsy. Newsy. Oh, okay. Having failed to get enough votes to create an independent inquiry into the January 6th riots at the Capitol in Washington, D.C., legislators are regrouping and refocusing their efforts to create a bipartisan commission tasked with determining why any Kardashians are famous and what can be done about it. Upon seeing a camera, Senator Chuck Schumer immediately ran up to it and delivered an impassioned plea for a congressional commission on the Kardashians aimed at determining why anyone pays any attention at all to any of the intellectually stunted Kardashian family members. I am pleading with my colleagues across the aisle to work with us, Schumer told the camera. These people have the collective IQ of a wet fart and they have really gross bodies. Kim's bum is a shelf. And if it weren't for camera filters, clever angles, and editing software, you'd know that Chloe's skin is mostly blackheads. <laughs> is mostly blackheads and spider bites. The American people deserve better. Utah Senator Mitt Romney echoed Schumer's pleas, claiming that the angel Moroni had come to him in a dream to warn him that the Kardashians were the main exhibit in the Museum of Social Decay. I pray every day that the good Lord smites them, said the handsome one-time presidential candidate. But in case he's busy, my car's trunk's full of machetes and the lock doesn't work. Just saying. Congresswoman Rashid Tlaib fired back against the senators, claiming that the commission was a clear example of white supremacy, attempting to marginalize billionaire women and people of color. Tlaib uh, then deflected, I'm sorry, Tlaib then defecated on his Israeli flag to the cheers of Ilan Omar before House Speaker Nancy Pelosi rushed out of the shadows and covered both of them with a tarp. That's, that's, I can't, and none of that could be real. I think it's very real if CNN says it, Jack. I guess we're not getting paid for that one, but that's okay. You're, you know, you're not an anchor yet. You're new to it. I understand. I'm sending you a second one. Her skin is mostly blackheads and spider bites. I didn't know that, but that's amazing. A testimony to the the software that she uses. Uh, You should be receiving I just got number two. I just got your second script. All right, then take it away, newscaster. Okay. Hmm. Supermodel Gloria Goff is redefining the standards of beauty, we're being told. The 310-pound California native will be appearing on the cover of all women's magazines next month, as well as the covers of Time, Rolling Stone, and Shape, in what many are calling a last-ditch effort to drive the point home that you don't have to be healthy, slim, or attractive to be positioned as a famous supermodel to an unwilling audience. Goff says Western concepts of beauty are completely lame compared to the joy of eating an entire package of Twizzlers and lying on the sofa. She said she feels pity for people who obsess over calories, fats, carbs, and sodium, and said they leave, lead lives devoid of calories. Goff is recently named as the new spokeswoman for Yum Yum Bar, 
a hypercaloric low energy bar crammed to the gills with calories, fats, carbs, and sodium. After crushing a step stool by accident, the sexy and seemingly confident Goff told reporters that the key to happiness was living the life you wanted to live. She then rolled around the beach in a bikini while consuming a whole roasted chicken. Huh. Well, you know what? It's tough to be an anchor. We look at these guys, Don Lemon, I mean, as professional as he comes across, Chris Cuomo, as amazingly Mm -hmm. talented as he is. uh, It's not that easy. And you know it now. You know that it's difficult. But I've got a third third one for you to read. We've got a chance, Jack, at making some money. I mean, I... Uh, for the, what, whatever problems I have with Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo, I, I feel like they're mostly talking about, um, you know, uh, vaccine rates and not about women rolling on around beaches uh, eating a whole chicken. It's that's beautiful. That is beauty personified to me, Jack. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I just got your third, your third script. Please read it and make us some cash. Okay. And CNN wants me to read this. These are CNN scripts, Jack. Okay. All right, here we go. Hmm. Producers in Hollywood are working feverishly to capitalize on all the hype generated by the reunion of the popular comedy Friends. Production has already begun on numerous other programs in the hopes of finding even bigger audiences with sentimental feelings for their favorite shows of the past. The cast of Seinfeld will be reunited next. In a special one-hour episode, Jerry returns to his old New York City apartment with his career in shambles after all comedy is declared offensive. After hearing that his pal Jerry's back in town, George reunites with his old chum while Elaine tries desperately to seduce Jerry, hoping to get impregnated and score some of that sweet baby daddy money. Unbeknownst to Elaine, her 60-year-old ovaries are useless, desiccated husks. While wiping Jerry's ejaculate from the sofa. (laughs) Why? Kramer bursts into the room shouting racial epithets. In the reunion of different strokes, Todd Bridges will reply his role of Willis Jackson, returning some 34 years later to the Park Avenue apartment he grew up in with foster dad Philip Drummond, completely unaware that Drummond, Drummond's daughter Kimberly, the housekeeper Mrs. Garrett, and Willis's brother Arnold were all deceased. (laughs) Upon learning of their fates, Willis bursts into tears, collapsing in a heap on the floor, his screams of anguish echoing through the apartment. Waking the apartment's current owner, retired head of the NYPD police union, Tim Simmons. And you know how that ends. <laughs> and finally, a family ties, oh no, reunion is slated for the fall and will feature all the old cast members reprising their roles. But instead of nuanced conversations and jokes, they will spend the hour cursing at one another <laughs> for holding different political beliefs. I might watch that. Yeah, may, maybe. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, mm. well, okay. It's what, listen, you know, there's going to be other chances to be a CNN newsreader. Shoot. That's a shame. I was really hoping, yeah. you know, we've got the setup here. I could just read the stories. We could just, you know, it's, crank out the money, it's upgrade a good, all our equipment. It's a good gig if you can get it and we're going to get it. I'm going to keep trying. I've got contacts there. Well, Brian, uh, thus concludes another episode of questionable material. Yeah. 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 Uh, be sure to uh, you know, like it. Be sure to tell your friends so we can grow the podcast and maybe leave us a nice review. Reviews are nice. We just got a, a, some nice reviews. We like this. Nice reviews. Nice reviews are nice. They're you're, nice to read. You're nice to read. 
Uh, okay, thanks. Thank you. Thanks for ending the show on a weird note. That was Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. Follow the podcast to get every episode. Our website is qmpodcast.com. Our email is contact at qmpodcast.com. 